Welcome back, everybody, to The First Step. It's me, Jill Sachuk, with my dear friend, Halima Rogers. I'm very happy to introduce you to Halima. She is a wealth of information. And today we're going to be talking about some simple practices that you can do to help ease into this new season of fall. Welcome, Halima. Thank you, Jill. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm excited to talk about the seasons. Yeah, and full disclosure, I don't think either of us are experts or certified officially in any kind of Ayurvedic um, teachings, but both of us have, I think, a deep respect uh, um, for and have for many, many years ourselves been tapping into these ancient practices. And one of my students mentioned to me the other day that they were feeling really dry and for the interest of helping them, I thought, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of research because I remember you way back when telling me something about putting oil on my body as the seasons were changing and different kinds of oils. And I thought, well, I'm going to find some information for the student. And then immediately I thought of you. So I think this conversation is just going to be able to help us kind of download some of that good, juicy stuff that you know that you share with people that does help those transitions. So first off, could you maybe just describe, as I understand it, each season has kind of a certain quality. So could you just describe the general quality to each season? Absolutely. Um, something to keep in mind along the lines of what you're saying um, is that we're talking about this in the context of um, Ayurvedic knowledge. We'll hear traditions around the world that describe their natural environment in a variety of ways. And so ultimately, we're seeking relationship with our environment, and we're locating ourselves as beings in the environment as part of nature, not just observers of nature or taggers along. You know, we get to control many things, including the climate in our house and our cars and how much sun we get if we don't wanna go outside. Um, and and I, I, I wonder if that creates a feeling of disconnect, but also this idea that we aren't influenced by what's happening outside and we forget. Um, so keeping that in mind, um, ultimately, we are building a relationship to ourselves and to our place in nature. Wow. Can I just reiterate yeah. <laughs> yeah, what you just said? Because I think it's actually very profound um, and important because in the modern world, and tell me if I'm, I'm reading what you just said correctly, it's like in our modern world, we have created a situation where we feel that we are can control and are separate from what nature is delivering. Like we can tuck away in our homes and close the door or turn on the AC or the heat. And it feels like we can keep a pretty comfortable, consistent environment. So we may be under the impression that what is happening out there is less important. But what you're saying is inherently it still affects us because we can't, as much as we can tuck ourselves away in our houses with our artificial um, temperature controls, there's no way to completely disconnect from actually like the molecules of air that <laughs> are inherently changing with the, the seasons and the rotation of the sun and the earth and all of that. That is exactly it. Um, and keeping that in the back of our minds as the seasons change, it's totally fine to seek those comforts. It's nicer and it's less strain but that 
those influences aren't happening is an illusion, mm-hmm. essentially. So if we talk about the nature of the seasons, um, from the yogic perspective, it is spring, summer, and then fall and winter, but fall and winter are, are the same category. So it's three seasons. Spring is approximately uh, March, April, May, and summer would be June, July, August. Fall, September, October, November, but December, January, February is winter, and it's just the continuation of fall. That is the whole season. And um, in each season, the influence of that season increases as the season progresses. So if we're talking about spring, this is a time of moisture and dampness and cold. It's kind of a different cold than what we might feel in November. It's a little bit um, deeper, gets in the bones, particularly in this Pacific Northwest environment. Hard to get warm for some of us. Um, And if we think about sap running in the trees, then we might imagine that the mucus in the body is running more as well. We see more allergies and um, the task in that season is really to wake the body up from winter. So movement, um, dryness and warmth, just opposite forces to what's happening. And as I talk about these forces, we're really, we're talking, describing them metaphorically as the components of creation, if you want to be really metaphorical about it. But basically the um, forces at play that, um, that drive nature, that are part of nature. And they describe movement, structure, blood flow, airflow, all those kinds of things. And we watch those happen in the trees and in the plants and in the animals. And those things happen within us as well. So sap running in the trees is like mucus running in the body. And we get into summer. And of course, heat here is a component of summer. And we do our best to stay cool as we need to stay cool. You might see that in temperament as well, where you might describe someone as hot-headed or a boiling pot on the stove, things like that. We see these show up in personalities. We We see them show up in bodily symptoms. And then we come to fall. And what's happened is the accumulation of the heat from summer, which also creates some dryness in the body, has accumulated. And we come into um, fall and winter. And the essential nature of fall and winter is dry, cold, um, movement, windy. Mm, You might see it in emotions as racing thoughts, maybe some anxiety. Um, This season, people might notice an increase in um in anxiety in pain if you have joint things going on you might get a little bit more achy and when we see in the trees for example that they begin to dry and they begin to lose their leaves it that's mimicking what's happening in the nervous system it's essentially drying out and shrinking up and what that also means that the messages through the body are harder to move through and so we want to rest the body and um moisturize the body and feed the body 
So the the big pieces um, to remember as we go through the winter in particular, because this is a long season, that all, all pain, all dryness, all soreness, all tiredness increases and it builds until March. And some people feel a tremendous amount of relief by March as the spring arrives. And some people are just downright exhausted by the end of winter. And it takes a little while to clean out and turn around a bit. Awesome. That's a great description of each season. Um, and of course, we're, we're trying to keep this within a time frame where people can keep their attention span alive, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's no way for us to kind of dial in or, or download to listeners all the things that they might be able to do in each season to alleviate some of that accumulation of some of those qualities, which may put us out of balance. But I remember one of the things um, that you told me so long ago, which I just thought what a simple and delightful thing to do for ourselves to maybe ease a little bit of that accumulation of whatever's going on in the body from season to season is to put oil on the body. And so maybe that's where we can really provide for listeners an actual practical action step that they could take that wouldn't take very long in their day or in their week where they could apply oil to their body, which would help to lessen some of the accumulated effects of that um, quality of that season. So and I, this, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say, because I can never actually remember. I think you, you said there were different oils you use in each different season. I know for myself in summer, I love applying coconut oil, which I think has like a definitely a cooling property, but come fall, I think I'm supposed to be switching to something like, tell me more. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. The oil um, traditionally suggested for the winter season is sesame oil, untoasted sesame oil. And um, the practice of oiling can take many forms. Essentially, we're oiling the exterior of the body, but you could also increase your oil intake in your diet and take that internally as well, depending on what your tolerance is for that. I have a lot of spring people in my family our stomachs turn very fast if we pass an oil threshold eating wise. Um, so that's really individual. The easiest, by far the easiest and kindest practice is to take a little bit of time to oil our bodies. So that might look like the simplest form um, is to just keep a bottle of untoasted sesame oil in your shower. And If you only have 30 seconds for your shower in the morning, you put a little bit on your hands and feet and move on. You can soap it off a little bit if you want, if you don't want it too oily. Um, The longest form of this practice is to warm the bottle of oil in just in a sink of hot water or a measuring cup or something. If you've got a small bottle, tuck it in there and let it warm up a little bit and oil from head to foot, hair, scalp, face, And um, don't forget also like the inside of the nose, the inside of the ears, because the properties of all oils and sesame in particular is protective. It's antibacterial, it's antifungal. It has all these kinds of properties and the the simple 
practice of a layer of oil can act as a protective barrier for germs. It's as simple as that. And we go out in cold and flu season and we've got a little bit of extra in the places in where our tender membranes are, right? Where we pick up dust and germs and things like that. And so we have a bottle of hot, warm sesame oil and we take some time and we um, do our hair, do our scalp, do our hands, like whole body and get into as hot of a shower or bath as you can feel comfortable in. If you're in a bath, you just soak there for as long as you like. You can roll right into bed after that, pat off gently when you get out, maybe put a towel on your pillow and go to sleep. And then soap down in the morning, shower, wash your hair, um, shampoo and conditioner should do it. And, um, and see how that feels. The, if you aren't doing it at night or going to bed and you do it in a bath, um, the, the soaking in the hot water is gonna open the pores It allows the skin to take in the oil. And then you can lightly soap off as much as you want to when you're, you've had enough of your bath and um, carry on with your day. The same is true in the shower, hot shower will open up all the pores and allow the oil to absorb in. And again, soap off as much as you want, pat dry gently and carry on with your day. Um, I find that if I get busy and overwhelmed, which is very common mental state for this season, I keep the bottle in my shower. I don't worry about a full rub in advance. I just take the bottle I open it, I put some oil on wherever I feel like I want to. I finish my shower, I'm in there for as long as I want to be or have time for and do the same, just soap off lightly and pat dry and come out. And, you know, once a week, twice a week, seven days a week, you can't really overdo it. And, um, and no pressure to do it all the time. You know, if you're inspired on a Sunday night and that's your quiet time and you treat yourself to that, once a week or whenever you can really it's just a little offering to moisturize a dry body and we see that I think people will know that they get dry maybe there's cold weather eczema there's cracked heels in our feet um, dry lips things like that constant thirst those are just kind of some of the symptoms and I find that that oiling helps a lot and settles the it settles the body and in conjunction with that, then the mind has a chance to settle as well. I think this is such a profound act of self-care or self-love. And I think as I hear you describe that, what, what comes to mind is that so many of us are kind of on this, especially in our modern world, um, this kind of like hamster wheel, right? Where we're kind of racing from one thing to another. So it also asks us to kind of tune into ourselves a little bit and take into consideration, yeah, the season, how we're feeling and pause for a moment to, and when I do this, when I put oil on my body, it is this gesture that asks me to slow down. Like you can't quickly throw oil on right? <laughs> like <laughs> you when you're putting oil on your body it does require this kind of caress a, a caress to your own self right where you where you're rubbing all different bits and pieces of you with this love and attention that says I'm going to provide 
to you, for you, something that you need while we're transitioning into this other time or at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day. It's just such a profound act of self-love and nourishment. So um, anybody listening, I urge you to give it a try. Couple questions that come up. Does it matter what quality sesame oil you buy? Like, are you buying this at any old grocery store? Should you be looking at like a natural health food store? Is it the same kind of sesame oil you could use to cook with? Yeah, I would say whatever sesame oil you have access to is absolutely sufficient. If you want to splurge or you prefer um, or you have a brand that you really like or you like organic, by all means, you know, as if you're buying yourself a really nice massaging oil, go to town. You can get untoasted sesame oil in the grocery aisle in any store. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't get stuck on that for sure. Wherever you any store that you're in will probably carry it untoasted sesame oil. So mm. what about like almond oil, coconut oil? Uh, are there other oils that at different seasons? I mean, I don't want to take us off track from fall and winter, um, mm. but are there other oils you use for other seasons? Absolutely. Um, coconut is right on the money for summer. It's is a cooling property and you can notice the difference of quality on your skin. It's also protective, but it doesn't quite moisturize in the same way as sesame. So sesame oil in the context of winter is the densest, heaviest, most moisturizing of the oils. And since that's the driest season and most movable, chaotic, unsettled season, sesame oil is its natural provider. So, uh, but there are definitely other options. In the traditional text, they suggest corn oil for the spring because it's the lightest and the driest. But I, it's really important to consider what's happening in your body. So for me, for example, I cannot tolerate certain food ingredients. And I've switched to olive oil year round. And olive oil rides in the middle of everything. And because my ancestry is Mediterranean, when I finally understood that and made a switch, I felt like coming home. Like that really sung on my skin. So above anything I'm telling anyone who's listening today, um, there are different properties to oils and also we're very individual and we have particular needs. It shouldn't override for sure any allergies or specific health things going on. Um, if we look at the spectrum, we have sesame oil at the heaviest and warmest, almond and sunflower kind of ride in between sesame and olive and um, corn being the lightest. And um, it's fine if you use any of those, if you don't have a nut allergy and you like almond oil or you mix them. Like if you prefer almond oil, which is often used as a massage oil and you add a little bit of sesame oil because you don't want to smell like your fried rice, fine. Just put a little bit in and um, blend it together, <laughs> you know? And if you take the time to oil your body and there's an oil you really like, that's better than not doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, and play around with that see how you feel yeah and in in regards to quality of oil right like I do think sesame oil because I don't know maybe it's less common we use less of it it's maybe purchased less it's been less modified or messed with whereas I feel like some of the olive oils that you might find on the shelf mm -hmm. or coconut oils that you might find are either less refined or more refined or more organic or less organic so 
I think, you know, when we're talking about olive oil and then like corn, or now we're getting into like agricultural practices that have changed (laughs) since those, you know, since Mm -hmm. practices, which came out of very ancient traditions, I think it is, I think, um, yeah, we, you know, if we can look to the quality of, of some of those more popular trending oils like olive oil or coconut oil, there is definitely, I don't actually see that you're right with sesame oil. It's kind of like sesame oil, sesame oil, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for sure, like we're considering the skin as the largest organ in the body that this is going to go down deep into your tissues. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you have access to a really nice quality oil, um, that's your best option. Absolutely. And I personally have never used corn oil and that does come out of the ancient or older texts of Ayurveda stuff. So, um, sunflower might be a better option, you know, come springtime, if you're still practicing that, or that still feels like something you want a little bit, you might start to feel too hot and too heavy with sesame oil. And so try the almond oil or try the sunflower oil, um, and see what that feels like. And um, coconut's really the best option for summer, Yeah. ultimately. So you're moving towards coconut by the time you get to June-ish, give or take. And um, uh, certainly if you um, want to or prefer to use a high quality oil, that's the nicest option. But I wouldn't let that be a barrier. Yeah. So, okay. Listeners oil up your bodies. (laughs) And (laughs) are there any other little tidbits, Halima, that you can give us when you, when you move into fall, like aside from oiling the body, are there any other practices that you do or that you want the listeners to know about as we move into this kind of colder, longer season where so many of us kind of, you know, take, take a bit of a beating moving out of that delicious summerness. Um, is there anything else, simple things people could do that come to mind? Yeah, I would share, there's actually four tenants to care in the fall and winter. Um, the four are rest, routine, warmth, and oil. So everything we've talked about oil is one of those pieces but the rest, routine, and warmth are also really essential pieces of care mm. from the fall to spring. You know, you start to feel that shift. You'll feel it happening anyway. But this idea of rest sometimes is a hard one to get our heads around and what that really means. Um, we do not really have the same mental and physical capacity that we do at other times of year. And It is a time of hibernation, but the nature of that resting is kind of like planting seeds, maybe your bulbs in the fall, and they sleep in the ground. But what's happening is they're kind of nurturing themselves, getting ready to grow. And so that might be a creative project, that might be internal transformations. It can be quite internal oriented, introspection oriented through the winter. We're gonna let those things percolate without necessarily having to act on them or, or move on them. We're just letting them be there and we're giving ourselves time to rest so that it can brew 
And then as the spring comes and the sap begins to flow and the sun comes out and the little seedlings grow into little shoots, the same thing happens in our thoughts and our creative projects and our bodies become ready to take action. And that can be really critical to keeping burnout at bay. It can be really critical to having clarity of thoughts and that when the time comes to act, we're ready and we can see clearly. And the, um, the piece of care around routine, because the nature of the fall and winter is um, movement and restlessness and cold and um, chaos a little bit. The idea of routine is providing some ground under our feet that we can lean on because we don't necessarily have the mental clarity or acuity or strength to make constant decisions all the time. And so it doesn't have to be rigid. We're not trying to hurt ourselves with a routine, but we're kind of trying to lean into a rhythm Especially for me, I would say personally, this shows up as um, I, I allocate certain days of the week for tasks I have to do around the house. So that means I don't think about them on any other day. I only address them on that. And so that if I'm feeling really tired and overwhelmed, all I need to know is that on Monday, I do my laundry, whatever that is in your house. And so that we think about that routine as being held by the routine and not mm, uncomfortably bound by it. Mm -hmm. um, and the other piece is the warmth piece because of course it's starting to get colder and the cold contributes to that dryness and that um, the energy it takes to stay comfortable. It just requires more energy. We eat heavier foods. We eat more dense foods. We wear extra layers, we light a fire if we have one, we take a bath a bit more often. A lot of this stuff really feels like common sense. Like if you say to me, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted or I'm just so cold after that hike or after this day of being out in the rain, you know, we would probably take a hot shower or a bath. And so these, this language of the body that says I'm cold or I'm hungry or I'm dry is the body's only way to communicate with us. So understanding what those signals are um, helps us to respond and say, okay, I'm here for you. I'm going to stick you in a bath. I'm going to eat a warm, comforting, spicy meal, whatever, you know, warms up the body. <clears throat> and that is the beginning of creating a relationship with ourselves that says, I'm listening mm -hmm. and I will help you. Mm -hmm. I will look after you. I mean, it definitely sounds super common sense, but on the other hand, I'm thinking of our world and, <laughs> <laughs> and how far we have gotten away from that, you know, with trending diets or like trending superfoods, you know, so we might like acai berries and smoothies or all the rage kale. And, and then we, we take that through to the whole year. It's just not logical right like so I think it is you know what you're saying sounds simple and common sense but we do need these reminders to kind of um bring us out of all those things that were sold or told and get us to listen to the body which very clearly says after a cold 
hike, take a shower and have a warm bowl of soup, not a trending acai kale smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) Even though that's what's popular in the modern world, maybe at any one time or whatever those changing things, you know, that we get sold. I think there is very basic, you know, like what our grandparents would have done in the winter or fall, what they would have eaten or how they would have, you know, also when you were talking about letting things percolate, it's like, I was just imagining, yeah, like at the end of summer, it is also in tune with cycles, right? Like at the end of summer, we'd be doing these final harvesting pieces in our gardens and putting things in canning processes, preserving processes where they get stored away, but they continue to kind of nourish us all season, right? All this kind of like energy or abundance of summer carries us through, um, in, you know, when we did use our common sense and live in, <laughs> live in relationship with cycles and such. It, it is, it is really basic, but I just think we've gotten so far away from that. So your reminders are really important, I think, or these discussions are very important to kind of bring us back to some of that common sense. You're touching on something really important um, to follow the agricultural cycles and to consider what's happening in our modern nutrition messages. And that is a whole other 10 podcasts, in my opinion. Um, The acai kale smoothie might be spectacular in the summer. The bitterness of the kale is great for the fire constitution, the acai berries, the coolness rocket. And Um, When we look at nutrition profiles in our modern language, they are not incorrect. That is, those are the nutritional qualities of kale and acai. Absolutely. And um, thinking about taking in our nutritional year, excuse me, our nutritional needs over the course of a year, rather than saying, I have to have my kale and acai every day. Um, because some of us are compulsive that way. (laughs) And um, it's okay to explore different food philosophies and see what that feels like. Whatever's growing is probably a good thing to eat because what they do is that they not only um, tend to the needs of the season, but they tend to be preparatory for the next season. So the things that get out of balance in the season will carry forward every season. And if we have a lifetime of not really balancing the body out, we see illness and chronic pain and things like that. And I, it's, it makes me, I've actually given this a lot of thought. I think about like something like um, a high fat food protocol that's quite popular and high protein. That works really, really well for some body types. And the other thing that it would do is that it would actually probably really ground the nervous system. Like as a winter diet, having more fat and more protein um, a lot of people feel quite miraculous turnarounds from following that food protocol. Maybe not, you know, maybe that's um, uh, many people use it as a reset, but they start to find that they feel so much more settled. And if we think about it in terms of what we've been talking about, it's providing grounding for that nervous system in many, many ways. And if we're really burnt out, we're really stretched, we're 40, 50, 70 years in of, you know, living on this planet, And we start giving ourselves something that cares for that or helps the body 
feed itself the way that it needs to, it can be quite transformational. And so perhaps there's a time and a place for all those things or that the information in each one has some legitimacy. Um, I, uh, what I appreciate about this particular framework is that it helps me see patterns and what things go together. So my tendency to be overwhelmed by my schedule all of a sudden in October and November, which was letting me feel like I could pretty much run the world in August at the end of summer, automatically starts to change. But I know that that and my dry feet and a couple of other things belong together. They're happening because the same thing is getting out of balance in my body or the seasonal needs are changing in my body. And so that, I find that really useful. Um, and so our interests in nutrition and diet choices can be reflected on with that framework. And um, ultimately where we get to follow along with each season, but often what happens is that we, we can get out of balance as a life, as a result of lifestyle. And so, the biggest need might be looking after winter consistently for like three or four years in our body, right? Never mind that it's spring. So um, that has a place for some folks too. And and that that's a, there's a lot of information in that. We wouldn't be able to really break that down here. Um, it's the simplest thing for sure is what we're talking about here is just considering what's happening in the weather, what's growing in the ground and what's happening in our bodies in each season and um, imagining that that is the body's only way of telling us things um, and finding what, what um, helps us to look after ourselves. Mm -hmm. Really. Okay, so just to come around kind of full circle for people, <clears throat> the, the last thing that I want to kind of touch on, but nothing really that we can get into too extensively in a single podcast is just to um, inform people that each of us has our own kind of what in Ayurveda we might call dominant dosha. And Dosha would be translated as? Uh, literally, it's translated as imbalance, as in out of balance. Yeah. So the this is my, again, I, I am not an Ayurvedic expert, but my understanding is that we all contain all of these qualities such as earth or fire or wind or air, but some of us have kind of a dominance of one of those elements. Like if I were to look at my parents, my dad is much more earthy and my mom is much more airy. You know, she's physically kind of um, tinier. She, her thoughts are, are quicker. She can move faster. My dad has a, a solid stature and he's very steady and um, grounded and methodical and doesn't get caught up in kind of a flurry of thoughts. And I think each of us would tend to have kind of yeah, a tendency towards one of those qualities or a mix of different 
you know, a, a different combination of some of those qualities. So I don't think this is something that we can completely get to or through today, but um, I will in the description, in the text description that, that will go along with our podcast, share with listeners some resources where they can start to kind of consider like where might their imbalances lie and then maybe if any of you listening want to dive in a little bit deeper, some of those resources that Halima is going to share with me and I'll share with you can can help you start to ponder, you know, which dosha, I don't even know how to describe that you are dominant in. And, and maybe Halima, just as a last kind of um, sharing of your wisdom and knowledge, if you could maybe describe anything that you want to on that track, how each of us have certain tendencies or, or certain elements dominate certain people and how we might also kind of use food or whatever else to balance our imbalances. Absolutely. I love the description of your mom and dad. It's, it's such a great illustration of um, the sort of winter quality in your mom and the spring quality in your dad. And we see these um, elements play out in our personalities, in our um, actions, in our moods, all kinds of things. It's a really fascinating rabbit hole. Um, yes, it's sort of like imagining that we are each born with all three seasons in us in different proportions to each other. And we might translate that in modern scientific terms as our DNA It's simply what we've inherited. And if we think about ourselves as kids, our tendencies, our interests are what we, you know, did we break bones a lot? Did we get sick a lot? Um, that's probably the easiest way to start to imagine what you were born with. And then our lifestyle over time can um, shift those things. You can never undo what the proportions are that you were born with. You can't undo what you inherited. You simply want it's not simple but you can take the time to understand what that is and how to best look at it look after it and be um the balanced version of that so we can capital kind of capitalize on our strengths and look after what areas are difficult for us um i will share some resources i will say here right now that probably the most accessible book that i find um, is called Perfect Health for Kids. The original is actually Perfect Health. Um, and this Perfect Health for Kids is a variant on that. And because it describes the kids, I find it to be um, easier to access for some reason. And it just breaks down this really beautiful illustrations of the differences in our types, in our doshas and how that might play out and how we might look after that. Um, and I will provide that book and title for you. I really recommend that for someone who is looking for an entryway that's kind of easier to access because some of the other Ayurvedic texts are denser and this is very practical and very easy to see. And another way to explore our doshas, um, there are, you could just look up Ayurvedic dosha quiz online. There's probably 8 million sites 
I cannot recommend one over the other. I, I would suggest doing a few and see how that turns out. And um, back to what I said about childhood, like if you think about, you could answer that quiz or several quizzes thinking about yourself as a kid and answer those quizzes thinking about yourself currently and see how those match up and see um, where the patterns are and see if there's things that have changed because of our lifestyle choices and stuff. And it, it's really like a tool for reflection on ourselves. Like we just use it as a mirror feedback. Like, does that apply to me? Is that true? How does that play out? And, um, and can just be the beginning of inquiry um, into making sense of this very interesting world of elements in Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, this, this, it is such an expansive topic, right? It's like, I think, I don't know how many years it is to get certified and to be an yeah. practitioner, but it's like akin to becoming a, a like a medical doctor, right? It, it, there's so much to learn about the body and health and, um, and how nutrition or other, yeah, element seasons affects even location of where we live on the planet affect, yeah, our balance, our 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 ease, right? But this is such a great start, and if nothing else, hopefully, listeners can take away just that simple practice of oiling the body. And as we do move into fall, especially here on our wet coast in Vancouver Island, um, that maybe we have inspired listeners to consider different ways that they can warm themselves to think about maybe establishing some routine that can hold them. Um, the other one was what? And then oil? Rest. 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 Okay. Rest. <laughs> routine. Thank you. Warming and oiling. And maybe that will help, um, um, listeners kind of ease into the season feeling a little bit more um, healthy and whole. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. I'll be sure to include all those um, resources that you've provided for me to share with listeners in the text description. And, and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. My absolute pleasure, Jill. Thank you so much for having me here today. It was a real treat. Thank you so much. May all beings be happy.